grateful to be able to do what I do. That's all. <laughs> if you're not grateful, then what else, you know? Then what are you doing? Exactly, exactly. So um, I just kind of want to, you know, start with, you know, where you grew up and, you know, what, what were some of the fondest memories that you had growing up? So, you, you know, you grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Yes. I've yes. been Michigan before. So <clears throat> tell me, you know, some of the fondest memories of, of you know, growing up. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have four brothers. I, uh, or three brothers. I'm sorry. There's four of us. So I grew up with three brothers. Uh, I was the only girl. And so a lot of times they would describe me as spoiled, but I don't think I was spoiled. I just think I was very well loved and I am super grateful for that. Um, but Detroit is home always will be. I went to Renaissance High School, um, very wonderful memories there. I met a lot of uh, the friends that I have to this day there. Um, Detroit, uh, it was cold. Okay. And so when I moved to LA for grad school, um, and I ended up not being able to go home for Christmas, I don't know what happened, probably just, I just didn't have any money. And um, I was in California. And I walked outside on Christmas and um, I wore a t-shirt and I thought, oh my God, <laughs> this is where I am meant to be. <laughs> so um, I, I decided then and there that I was never moving back from California. And um, I got my MFA in Cali. And I, of course, I still visit. My grandmother still lives in Detroit. My uncle Marvin still has his church there. Um, and so I still visit, my baby brother lives there, but I knew that as much as I love Detroit and as much as it will always be home, I knew that my time of living there was over uh, once I was in California and just, I don't know, because of what I love and because of what I wanted to do, it just all worked out. I was like, California's it, it's it for me. Mm -hmm. So you just felt like LA was a place that, kind of like a second home to you almost. Absolutely, absolutely. And I ended up meeting my husband here, who's also from Michigan, had no idea. We never met in Michigan. Um, but I met him here and I was like, so do you do you plan on going back? Because I don't plan on going back. Is this gonna work out? And um and it did, fortunately for me. I'm super grateful. But yeah, Detroit, I have a lot of memories of Detroit. It will always be home. Um one of the things that I loved about growing up is that my parents would always take us to double feature movies on the weekends. And that's really, I think, where my love and passion for wanting to pursue acting came from. I was mesmerized by the screen and I just thought, oh, I can do that. Oh, that's what I wanna do. That's what I wanna do. And unfortunately, I never saw a lot of representation, uh, which then furthered my desire to be able to be that for some other young women of color that don't see themselves the way that they should. And um, yeah, that was, that was my thing. The movies were my thing. And I think that's where my, my strong love and passion of acting came from. Mm. And uh, you know, growing up in Detroit as well, did you, were you, you know, were you, uh, did you go to church often and did you, you know, were you invested? Oh, absolutely. The church was my life. That was, you know, at least three times a week. Wow. <laughs> oh, we were always at church. Um, Sunday morning service, Sunday afternoon service, mm -hmm. uh, choir rehearsal, um, Tuesday morning prayer at 6 a.m. Wow. Woo! That was a beast. And I never enjoyed waking up for it. But when I tell you, getting there especially as like a 15 year old, 16 year old, our parents still made us do it. I don't understand kids today that actually have an option. We didn't have an option. If we lived in the house and we were children, we had to get up and do what they told us to do. And so I, you, you never enjoy the wake up at 5.15 in the morning, but getting there and kneeling next to my grandma and praying for the 45 minutes and listening to her pray and listening to my mom and just learning how to pray and being in the presence of the Lord was always, I always remained grateful when we were able to do that. Um, 
and just being around family was was something big for me i'm a huge family girl and so my family has always meant the world to me so being able to especially now that my grandfather is gone having those memories of him kind of gathering everyone and ending prayer and talking and just loving on each other uh, was huge. We were always in church. So whenever I have children, they will always be in church uh, when this pandemic is over. <laughs> and it's safe to you know be together together again. Mm -hmm. We will be in church. There is something about uh, being able to be in the presence of the Lord in the midst of like-minded people. There's a refueling that happens, uh, um, a reinvigoration and encouragement that is so good for your soul. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so girl, we were always in church. <laughs> and all, all, also at school as well, you were, so how did you, how did you, you know, sort of have that balance between going to church and going to school like what else how, how did you well as you grow and what what i really appreciated about my parents is while we always had to go to church um developing a relationship with the lord was something we had to do on our own that was nothing that they forced us to do and so as we did do that um and i'll speak for myself as i did do that and then as i um continued in in schooling i was the first one in my family to actually get a, a bachelor of fine arts no one else in my family had gone to school and so uh that was kind of uncharted territory and i had to learn as i as i grew as i went and um i always made time for god even if it wasn't in the way that others thought it should be I learned that I had to find my own routine. I learned that I had to find my own relationship with the Lord. And I learned that everything I did needed to reflect that. So that's when I think you recognize it's not just about going to church. It's not just about your Sunday. It's about your Sunday through your Sunday. Um, what are you doing daily that reflect the values that you say you hold and, and that you believe. Um, and I learned that in undergrad and then essentially, um, I spent a month in Moscow studying at the Moscow Art Theater School. Then I moved on to LA to get my MFA in acting. Um, it's about your daily routine that reflects what it is you love and believe. And um, that's the journey that I've been on. That's how, I've learned to uh, do do it all, not just in school and church, but church was church to me is every day. You know, how am I living every day? How am I reflecting the love of God every day versus just a Sunday? Everybody can get to church on Sunday if they want to, but what are you doing with that word during the week? Are you living it? Are you reflecting it towards others? Um, that's to me what became very important. Um, I don't want to just talk it. I want to live it. And of course, we all make mistakes and we all fall short. But that is the goal to live it, not just to talk about it. And that's what I learned um, in undergrad and, and subsequently grad school and just life every day living. <laughs> it's, it's not always easy to live up to what you believe. Um, you life happens and you go through hard things and and that's where your faith grows and um and you learn more of who god is and what he does for you so yeah it's it's been a it's been a journey a life journey mm. i mean it, it it is you know it definitely is a life journey there's no there's no like shortcut to it you know you have to work hard at it um, absolutely um so so you know you would say would would you say that you know um your involvement in church was sort of like a natural component in your life like it wasn't something that you had to that you were forced to do oh yeah absolutely church and just really loving the lord was uh natural um for me of course our parents put us in church but they they didn't force us to believe or to accept the lord or to they just planted the seed and that's all we can do as believers um is just 
hey, this is what I've come to know. This is the Lord that I've come to know, the God that I've come to know. This is what he's done for me. This is what he continues to do for me. And um, here you are. And, and, and then it was my choice. It was my step to take. And it is the greatest decision I've ever made. Um, God is so good to me. Mm. So, so good to me. And um, I will tell it anywhere I go. I love the Lord with all my heart. And I've come to know him for myself the way that my parents and my grandparents would talk about it and say what they know um, and what they love about God. It's like you hear it and you're like, okay, cool. That's great. But then when he does something for you, you're like, oh, that's what you were talking about. Yes, yes he is good. That is what he does. And um, it's been beautiful to be able to sit um, in a legacy that, that I'm able to sit in that I've done no, no work for on my own, but I'm so grateful to be able to um, see the legacy that has been left for me and a legacy that I wanna continue to leave for my children is just a legacy of really loving God and knowing who he is and what he is capable of doing in your life if you believe um, is really an honor and a privilege for me. Mm, for sure, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, so I want to just talk about clear about you know you you this before you said your parents took you to the movies you know every mm -hmm. other weekend which we'll get to in a in a minute but um, were there any teachers or coaches that sort of pursued you to um, that uh, that inspired you to uh, to pursue acting or was it just uh, you know going to the movies? You said were there any teachers? Any teachers or you know, any any no. <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't that interesting? Uh, I didn't have any teachers. I never took a drama class before mm -hmm. undergrad. I just knew. I just knew going to the movies week after week um, that that was a love. Mm -hmm. I had a deep love and passion for the screen. And I just believed that I had a gift to do it. I just believed it. And, um, but when I mentioned it to my parents, when I did get to college, I told them I was going to major in theater and they were like, what? <laughs> because I hadn't really spoken about it. And I think that if I had my, I'm sure my mom would have found some sort of drama class for me to take some sort of something because that's what she always did. She found something for us to do with our time to learn to grow. I took tap, jazz, ballet. I did modeling and finishing school. I did pageants. Wow. I was always doing something with my time, uh, you know, forced to find ways to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And um, especially being in Detroit, Michigan, they always wanted to make sure we had good activities to, you know, with our time and that we didn't get into anything that we didn't need to be getting into. And so um, the fact that I was like, I'm going to do theater, they were like, what are you talking about? You've never done theater. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I believe that that's what I'm supposed to do. And I remember my mom telling me, you know, are you sure you don't want to maybe major in communications? You speak really well, Joy. And I was like, yeah, no, that's okay. And uh, she said, well, what about writing? What about, you know, journalism? I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's okay. And I think they just, they just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And then they came to my first show at Wayne State, uh, which was called Hospice. Uh, and it was a two-woman show okay. and so you can't help but see me it's myself and another young lady and um when I came out after the show was over and it changed I came out my parents and my brothers were there and their mouths were just open and they said oh my word this is absolutely what you do please continue go forth do it all um and a lot of times I think we have to remember that whatever dreams and passions that God puts inside of us. That's the vision that he's given us. Right. And sometimes everybody else won't see it right away. And you have to give grace for that and, and understand that and be okay with that because it's your dream. Mm. It's your vision that he's given you and they'll see it in time. And after my first show, they saw it and they were 110% supportive 
of everything that I, I endeavored to do with this. Mm, wow. And, and, you know, and how did you feel about that? Like how, you know, they came out to see your show and, and what did that mean for you? Oh, everything. Because as I said, I'm a family girl. And so them coming out to support my show, particularly just my parents and my brothers, um, meant the world to me. And they've supported me ever since. They have come to every show that they could come to. They did every show in undergrad. And then I moved to California and they made sure they came out for my, um, I did a performance for different agents um, out here in California. We did one in New York, but we did our final one here in California. Okay. They were all there. They were all, anything that they can come to, even when it came to working on Greenleaf, um, they made sure they all came to the set at least once, at least once, but some of them came uh, many times um, just to support and just to let me know we're here you are doing it and we're so proud of you that's that's a really 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 big thing to me um the people that are closest to me that i love the most uh you know the way that you can show someone you love them back is to support them a lot of times it's it's easy to say that you do but then you know time is something that you don't get back and when people share their time and spend their time with you um is huge for me so that is something that has continued my uh my drive to keep going forward and keep going as hard as i can because i do have that support and that love from my family hmm. um i want to actually go back to you know when you were going to these movie theaters what what type what sort of sorts of movies were you watching like you know were there any you're gonna get my daddy in trouble because <laughs> my dad because he was part of the winans he traveled so much right um but when he was in town he didn't want to do anything without his children and so a lot of times we would see everything that was age appropriate but then we would probably see things that probably weren't age appropriate. And they were always reaching down, talking about, cover your eyes, cover your eyes. Okay, you can take the, you can move your hands. Um, but we saw everything, we saw everything. Um, what really, really fueled my love was probably something that shouldn't have, but The Godfather. Mm. The Godfather, to me, is still one of the greatest films of all time. Um, I thought, oh my goodness, Al Pacino, Marlon Brando, mm -hmm. um, uh, Robert De Niro. Um, there are so many people in so many moments. And then the dialogue. I think what Godfather showed me is that there is a beauty in stillness there and and especially if the words are on the page if the words are there which they were for the godfather um there were so many different riveting performances that came through a lot of stillness um i learned a lot i continue to learn a lot because the godfather and godfather two and three not the best but they are all something that i feel like and need they need to be watched at least once a year um they need to be just inspected um those performances are just they will be hailed until there is no more tv to watch and there are no more movies to watch no other movies like them no other movies like them and um that really even informs what i do now I recognize you don't always need a big set. You don't always need a bunch of stuff around you. You don't always need to be moving mm. to give something so incredible, something so profound, something so deep. Um, I learned a lot from The Godfather. And so, I, but I saw it all. I saw Godfather, I saw Casino, I saw Scarface, I saw Goodfellas. I was in a family full of men. Um, and so, <laughs> gangster movies it was and that is what we watched um but then we also saw imitation of life um 
I saw everything. And I feel like I pull and learn from everything and things that I'm constantly rewatching and learning and growing from. Um, yeah, we saw everything. <laughs> I mean, it's a good um, variety, I guess, of, of movies. Like, I didn't expect I didn't expect you to be watching these films at age. <laughs> My grandmother didn't want us to. I remember her saying, y'all take them to too many movies. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful. It really led to my love and my passion for what it is that I do now. And I think it also led to understanding the gift a little bit more um, and making me not just an actor, but the kind of actor that I am and that I um, work hard to be. So I want to um, talk about, um, you know, your role, you, you portrayed your aunt Cece, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but twice in the, yes. and then on stage. Um, and I want to know, you know, what was some of the feedback that you received from, from that role? Because you're a splitting image of your aunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wanna know, you know, what was, some, what was the reaction from that? Um, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. I, you know, I, we have the strongest genes in this family. And um, I, even growing up, I was a, I was a waitress in undergrad. And um, people would come to me, white, black, so, you know, have you ever heard of the singer? You look just like Cece Winans. And I would just laugh. I was like, man, I can't get away from it, huh? But um, the, the response was really lovely. It was lovely from the TV movie Whitney that we did where I portrayed her. But then it was also really, really lovely from the musical because I got to play opposite my brother yeah. who was BB. Um, who played BB, uh, his name is Juan. And so number one, sharing a stage with him was just a delight in life that I didn't know I would be able to have um, because Juan is primarily a singer. I'm primarily an actor. And so I did not um, ever expect to share a stage or a space like that with him. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, really lovely. But then to, um, to have to sing, which was something I never really wanted to do and nothing I really uh, worked at was really, really hard for me because it's CC. There is one CC for a reason. <laughs> Nobody else can do it like her. And so I found myself at a place of feeling very inadequate because I knew, or at least in my mind, I thought people are gonna come here and because I'm her niece and because I look like her, they're going to expect me to sound like her. And boy, oh boy, I don't sound like her. And so that was something that I really, really had to overcome in my mind. And I remember calling her and saying, look, Auntie Cece, what am I supposed to do? Because now I'm not just looking like you in a film. I actually have to sing, I have to sing live and I have to represent some sort of piece of you. And she just kind of laughed at me. She said, Joy, do you not realize we, we are family. We already have the same tone. We already sound alike. She said, what you have to do is get out of your mind and stop thinking you have to sound like me and just sing. Sing like you and it's automatically gonna sound something like me because that's we, the beauty of what you're doing is you're playing your family and we already share a very similar tone. And so what you do is perfect what you have. And it doesn't matter what your brother does. She said he could come out growling like a lion. She said, let him do what he does. You perfect what you do and it will automatically put you very close to, to what I do and who I am. And um, it, was, it was at that point that I realized, okay, I can only be me. And if I work really, really hard at what it is I have to offer and bring, then it's going to be what it's supposed to be for this particular role. And, and it was. It was everything it needed to be. And um, I'm super grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, playing alongside your brother as well, did you, were you still nervous at all? Or was that more like, a, uh, like, you know, just hanging out with your brother on stage? How did that? It was, I, I was nervous. 
in the sense that um, the singing was was the only part that made me uneasy. Okay. But being on stage with my brother was like real life. We just had a blast. We had fun. He taught me so much about my voice. He made me so comfortable on the stage, especially when it came to the songs that we had to sing together. And then he was my cheerleader on the side when it was a solo that I had to do. And he always infused encouragement and love and excitement into every moment of it. And I mean, we had a blast. I don't know if I've done anything more fun than being on the stage with my brother. That was, I mean, that was, that was truly, truly an honor and, and just a whole lot of fun. Right. Would you, would you ever do it again? Like go on stage and, and. Oh my gosh, absolutely. No question. No question. That was, I mean, that's just something that you can only dream of. How many siblings get to do something like that in life? And, um, and enjoy it. You know, we enjoy each other. I'm very close with my brothers. And so to be able to share moments like that with them is, oh, I would always do it, it any day, any time. <laughs> and uh, I, I read in a previous interview, you said that um, it wasn't until you did the play that you, that you felt like you had, you know, singing was another gift that you had, that you had to discover. Um, mm -hmm. What did you, you know, what, did, what do you think it took until that point to realize that? Um, it shouldn't have, mm -hmm. uh, because I do remember when I was an undergrad, I wanted to audition for Evita. Okay. I didn't want to sing in it, but I knew they were bringing in a special tango dance instructor, mm -hmm. and they were only going to cast four, eight people, four couples, Okay. to do a really amazing tango number. And I love dance. I always took tap, jazz, and ballet. And I thought, oh my God, I'd love to learn how to tango. And I moved very well. And so, but in order to be considered for any part of the Vita, you had to sing um, at the audition. And so I remember, um, what did I do? I did, I think I did a piece of memories. Uh, Memories all alone in the moonlight. I remember the old days. Life was beautiful then. So, something like that. I think I just did that portion. And I, oh, oh, you're so sweet. No, I just, I, and I didn't think much about it. Right. But I did that and I did it for my dad. Okay. And then after I finished, I was like, okay, dad, do you think that's good enough? Do you think that'll get me like into a callback so that I can do this dance? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he said, you ought to be ashamed. And I was like, is it that bad? <laughs> and he said, Joy, you have a beautiful voice. You have a gift to sing. I was like, yeah, but I don't want to. I don't, I don't like singing. And he said, it doesn't matter. You were given a gift. You have to use every gift that God has given you. And girl, that went in one ear and out the other. I was like, oh, okay, so is it good enough? It was, it was okay? You think I'll get a call back? <laughs> and I did, and I was able to do the tango, and I loved it. It was amazing. Um, and then that was it for me. I never, I was, I was not going to sing. Hmm. And um, flash forward to the musical and just feeling like I really wasted a lot of time. Um, God is going to get what he wants to get out of you one way or the other and you can either be prepared or you can feel like it's a sink or swim and for the musical to me it really felt like a sink or swim because i lacked confidence because i wasn't prepared um and and my dad tried to prepare me and i just didn't really listen and so um for me that was hard that was that was when my eyes were really open to understanding that every gift that you are given is not for you. Mm. It is for God to use to touch somebody else somewhere else. Um, so it is up to you to use it, to make it as great as you can possibly make it and to give it, you give it away because it's not for you. And it took me the musical to really recognize that.
Um, yeah. And because, you know, because your family is so rooted in, in the gospel music and, mm -hmm. you know, did you, did you feel any pressure at all to continue their legacy and continue music and, and pursue music? Or I didn't. I never felt pressure to be in music, to continue the music. Um, my parents were always very much vocal about do what it is you love, um, but also whatever gifts you have, work them. Work them. And um, so for me, it was never, even now, I'm not uh, pushed to do music, but I do recognize that I have a gift to do music. And so what does that look like for me? It may not look the way it did for, you know, my dad and my aunts and my uncles. That, that was everything for them. To me, acting is everything, but I'm an actor who can sing who can dance and so you use it all and um and even now you know i've released some music and i will do what touches me because if it touches me then i believe it will touch someone else mm. and so that's that's how i view everything that i do if it touches me i believe it'll touch you um but we were never ever forced to do anything in music. It was, you know, my brothers, they did Wine and Space too with my two cousins, which was super wonderful, very successful, but that came to them on their own. Um, they were never forced into it. And that's just how my parents were, it's what they believed. And, um, and even now I'm kind of coming to it on my own and they're like, huh, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's nice. Um, yeah, but never forced, never forced. And uh, one of, I, I want to go back to actually just acting now, you know, your, your mm -hmm. role you go for and, and things like that. Um, one of the things you said in, in another interview that I found interesting was you were offered a reality TV position and you rejected it. You said, well, mm -hmm. do this and um, because you didn't want to, you know, quote, wreck the foundation that you were given. Um, mm -hmm. Explain what you mean by that, you know, when, when you switch roles and you don't want to, want to go in another direction. Yeah, so for me, um, reality TV is not acting. That's just not what it is. It's not the art of, of, of acting. It's not anything part of the craft. It's, it's you being you, um, which is fine. I'm not mad at reality TV. Um, but that was the first thing that came my way and it came my way because the premise was just, um, Christian women in the entertainment business business. Right. And that in and of itself is, oh, okay. But what I've come to realize as I watch, um, some of the, reality TV that was essentially done by these same producers, a lot of it doesn't necessarily leave a good mark. Mm. And for me, what I will always recognize is I did not work for this name. I did not lay the foundation. I did not make the sacrifices um for this name it was given to me yeah. and so what i did know is i wasn't going to do anything that was going to knowingly bring abstain mm. to it um there was no way to not use winans that's what they were attracted to and on top of that, it was, you know, I sat with them and the other young ladies that they wanted to be a part of it. And the conversation that they tried to create, um, the sort of, um, maybe not division, but the sort of uh, things they wanted to flame, okay. the things they wanted to throw into the fire to create um something just did not line up with who i am and i just thought 
well, this is not acting, so it's not what I want to do. And it could potentially um, be something harmful to a name that I did not work to get. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was not worth it. I, we didn't even, we didn't have any real money at the time and they were offering great money, but you have to recognize that um, who you are and your reputation and what it is you want to do have to mean more than a paycheck. Um, and I was very happy that we said no um, because there was greater on the other side. You know, shortly after that is, is the musical and the workshops where I meet Oprah and that lead to Greenleaf. And it's about doing what you know is right, doing what is in your heart and trusting that God is working things out on the other side. Um, at no point, and not to say that I'm perfect, I'm not, I'm so far from perfect. None of us are. But, you know, that was something that I knew would not bring any glory or anything lovely to a name that I did not work hard to get. Mm -hmm. And when you know that, it's not worth it. It's not and worth so it. I knew it wasn't worth it. And, you know, in an industry that's, you know, filled with rejection, no's, no, you know, how do you keep going? What, what, what inspires you to keep going? Ooh, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and they try to prepare you, especially if you go to school, you know, undergrad, grad school, they try to prepare you. They tell you this is not an easy business. It is filled with a lot of rejection. And so most of me could take it. But then when it became year after year after year, I started saying, maybe I'm not as good as I thought, or maybe my teachers, all my teachers, all my life have been lying to me and I'm not good. <laughs> every single person, every, you know, single judge that got me into Cal Arts lied and said that I was really good and I wasn't. Um, you know, you start doubting everything. <laughs> um, and I have had my moments for sure. But what has been so lovely about not just my parents and my brothers mm -hmm. who are my fiercest advocates, my husband, um, I'm grateful that God blessed me with a man who loves him more than he loves me. When you have someone who loves God more than they love you, you know, they're always going to do their best to make sure they do right by you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he would speak into my life and my brothers would speak into my life when I had those moments. And I think it's important that you surround yourself with people who have the same vision for your life that you do. So that when you are doubting and when you are discouraged and when you are feeling like, okay, that's the last no that I can take, they are there to say, no, it's not. No, it's not. We got you. You're going to make it. I remember several times I told my husband, you know, I'm just going to go just get a job at Banana Republic. That's what I'm going to do. I like working with people and I like getting the discount. So that's what I'm going to do. He said, if you want to do that for part time, you need to be available for the auditions. And I was like, what auditions? They're not coming. I can't find an agent. No one will accept me. And he was like, it's coming. It's, it's coming. I believe it. It's okay. He was like, it's fine. Right. They said, no, it's okay, Joy. Your yes is coming. And um, I needed that. And anybody who is doing anything will always need, in whatever arena, um, because you will get bad news and you will get a no and you will feel rejection. But it's about making sure you are surrounded by people Exactly. That do not forget the vision and do not forget your calling and your passion and can always speak that life back into you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important that you're that for somebody else. Right. And what were some of the, what, are, what were some of these roles that you were auditioning for that, that they didn't, that you got rejected for? If you don't, if you don't oh my gosh. Uh, I can't even remember all of them. Some of them I just 
happened to find my way into it because I didn't have an agent. Okay. I got rejected by agents just to have a meeting to see if they would want to represent me. And I got so discouraged because I, I didn't understand. I said, aren't agents always looking for new talent? Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. Okay. Well, I'm a new talent. Well, what have you done? I haven't done anything because I'm a new talent. And so I need your help to get me out there to audition so that I can do something. It was a catch 22. Mm. It was always, oh, well, you haven't done enough. Let us know when you've done something. So then I try to get on and audition for short films or audition for commercials. Right. Um, half the time I wouldn't get called in. The other half was just like, oh, you're not right. No. It's like, okay. Okay. But I think the biggest thing for me was not even being good enough to get an agent. Mm. I was like, well, I come from CalArts. You know, CalArts is on my resume, which is one of the top schools in the world for theater. It is a school built by Disney just for the arts. And I just thought, surely that's on my resume. Surely that's enough to get somebody's attention. And while it was, and probably still is for a lot of people, that just wasn't my journey. And you have to know that that's okay. Your journey will not be the same as everybody else's. So maybe that wasn't enough to get their attention, but here I am, you know, starring as a series regular on a hit TV show. And a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't be able to do that because you don't have any guest stars or co-stars or recurring roles. And that's the typical journey in Hollywood. You have to do a recurring role and then you get a guest star and then you get a co-star and then you're able to be bumped up to a series regular. I skipped all that. <laughs> so you just never know what your journey is going to be and you just have to keep persevering through it. And when you when you audition now, do you are you more cautious now than you were before when you first started, or like what what are the types of roles that you go in for now? Um, no, I'm not more cautious. I'm I'm very open. I anything that you are able to be seen for, be seen for. Um, I think that every role you probably will not accept, but to be able to audition in front of someone, to be able to have. Um, anyone see your work to be able to play in a small moment of time in some sort of different world uh, for me as an actor is a treat and a joy and so um rejecting auditions is not something that i do depends on whether or not it moves forward and then what that looks like okay is this something that uh, i want in my career is this the trajectory that i'm on then okay it is great if not okay thank you um we're gonna pass but thank you for the opportunity hmm. um so i'm just kind of switching gears here a little bit um talk to me a little bit about the wv foundation now i know your husband is involved in this are you also involved in it as well i am just involved as his loving spouse <laughs> but the wv foundation is something that he and his best friend nick vandenbosch created okay. uh they're both from muskegon michigan um they both played football in high school and college and then my husband went on to play um arena football as well but because of where they come from they understand number one what football means to their communities and also that it's been a way out for a lot of young black men um, from where they live. And so they always wanted to create a foundation that would give back and help um, those young men go to school, um, get scholarships, um, motivate them to continue to find ways to do better and be better uh, in life. And so that's been their whole goal with this foundation they've given away so much money to these young kids they usually do a football game um, at the end of the year that allows a lot of the top players from all around uh, their side of the state to come together play one last game win some scholarships um, and and move forward in life hmm. and that's the goal of their foundation and it's i love it 
I've, I've loved um, helping. I've loved just watching and just being a part of, see them making some young uh, person of color's life better. Right. Wow. Um, so I, I want to talk about Greenleaf, finally. Yes. <laughs> um, so I haven't watched, I'm, I'm not caught up on the first season yet. So I'm mm -hmm. just waiting for that. But um, one of the things I love about Charity is that she's flawed. She's incredibly, and her, you know, despite that, despite her flaws, her struggles, her pain. What were some of the criticism that you have, that you had received from playing a character like that? Um, so a lot of times, and I think I've learned this even in life, Charity is someone that people love to hate and hate to love because they see themselves in her. Um, she's so human. She's so real. She's been through so many things. She doesn't always know how to express her pain or her anger. And she makes mistakes. She makes a lot of them. Um, but I think the beauty of that is, is she's never let it hold her back. She is truly a fighter. She will make a mistake. She will go through something horrible and she'll get back up mm -hmm. and she'll keep going and she'll take responsibility. Um, but she's never all the way to the end. She's never allowed anyone or anything to hold her hostage to her past mistakes. Um, and that's something that I think is so beautiful because a lot of times people feel like once they've, you know, made a mistake that they're not worthy of anything good or, um, or the future that they had planned for themselves because they messed up. And what you don't understand, um, particularly in the church is that we've all messed up. And that's why people like the Greenleaf family. That's why people love and hate charity. They've all messed up. They are all so incredibly flawed. Um, but it's not until you see the beauty of that, that you can overcome it. And Charity represents that. She is a flawed, broken woman that continues to get back up again. And that's the hope. That's the, that's the love. That you get back up again and you keep trying to figure out how to do better, how to be better. Um, okay, I did this last time. That didn't work out what can I do this time to further the goal to, to get to the future, to get to my destiny? Um, I've loved it. She's been frustrating to play. She's been lovely to play. Um, she's been exciting. Uh, charity is all, charity is going to be a good time. She is a guaranteed good time. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed playing her, playing the bad parts of her, the wonderful parts of her, um, the frustrating parts of her, I just think it represents life uh, for a lot of women. And so that's, that's been exciting for me to do. Mm -hmm. Another, another aspect of the show that I, that I, that I'm not familiar with is actually, you know, how the church, how the, how Greenleaf exposes the flaws of a church community as well. Um, mm -hmm. did, you, did you receive any, you know, feedback from real church communities that say that's, you know, that's what we do. Or, you know, nobody should know about that. You know, have you, like that? Um, we have received feedback, but what's funny is most of it has just really been great. Um, I think what we have come to recognize is that we're not exposing the church. Okay. Uh, I think that what Greenleaf has done has started conversations mm -hmm. and it is not a blemish on the church. You know, it's not a blemish on what we believe. The Lord, I think, the Lord always deals with things. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't act as if it doesn't exist. Because if he did, none of us would grow to be anything that we've been called to be. Because we're all falling short and needing to deal with things on the on a daily basis and so if that's not god's way then how dare we think that should be 
the way in which we should operate inside of a building that is meant for church. Right. That's not what it is. So it's not a blemish on the word of God. It's not a blemish on Christianity, on what God has called us to be. It just allows people to say, hey, why have we not really had that conversation? It's not about God, it's about us. It's about us dealing and, and being honest about what's going on. And so a lot of the feedback that we did receive was very much so, thank you. We finally kind of had the guts to start a conversation we needed to start a long time ago. Um, a lot of the feedback from just families right. has been, you know, I finally was able to tell them that, you know, I had an uncle like Uncle Mac and I never knew what to do with that. And now I'm starting therapy and now I'm being honest about what has happened and my feelings and to know that something we did on that show lended to someone else getting help and starting therapy and getting healing and having a conversation, that means we did our job. And I am very much so okay with that. For five amazing seasons, like it's just so impactful. So, uh, you know, even iconic, I would say, because there's no yeah. other show like it. Yeah, um, yeah. So actually, I wanna go back to the first season. Um, there's a particular episode that addresses um, Black Lives Matter. So, mm -hmm. it, um, you know, it's the scene, I, uh, you know, when all the cops walk into the church and the bishop says, mm -hmm. welcome them, welcome. And then the, you know, the deacons are like, they just walk out. They, mm -hmm. walk, they walk out of the church because they don't agree with that. And um, so this season was shot in 20, it was released in 2016. And 2016 mm -hmm. was, a, was a year that was you know, the year of the U.S. election, it was, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter was still going on, it was still taking mm -hmm. What were some of your experiences and your thoughts um, going on at the time while you were filming Greenleaf, the first season? What that time? Um, I knew that things were changing. Okay. Um, and it didn't always feel like it was for the better. Okay. Um, I think for me, it was, you know, looking back, building a foundation um, so that we could withstand what is currently happening now. Um, a lot of times you never know why you're going through what you're going through when you're going through it. Um, but for me, looking back, I just think that 2016 was really laying a foundation to sort of help us be stronger where we needed to be stronger okay. um, so that we would have enough grace and mercy and love to get through what we are going through at this current moment. I think that is what that time was. Um, and I think that, um, I, I, you know, I forget that we shot that scene with the officers coming to the church, but I think that it's, it's very powerful. I think that, I think that as the church, we have to be very vocal about making sure while we do fight this injustice, which we must, um, while we do fight this systemic racism, we have to do all of it out of love. Um, that's the way that God operates everything that he does because he is love. And so everything that he does is out of love. And if we, if we do claim to be Christians and do claim to love the Lord, we got to find ways. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. I say that for myself. It is very hard being a woman of color in this country right now. And, and, everything that I do and say does not always come from the place that it should. But I recognize 
that if there is change that is going to happen, and I believe that it's going to happen, I believe we are living in a wonderful time to create some real change. It's got to be through the lens of love. Mm. What did and you know what did you feel? Uh, what type of responsibilities did you did you feel that you had on the show for portraying um, Charity Greenleaf? What, what did you feel like you had responsibilities to to execute through the role? I, I felt like I needed to make sure that she was honest um, in everything that I did in that role. I wanted it to come from a sincere place, from an honest place, because that's what people respond to. Um, I wasn't trying to be some phony character or caricature of her. Um, she was a real woman. Mm -hmm. uh, with real struggles, real hopes, real dreams, real hurts, real pains. And I think that that needed to be evident. So everything that I did with her, I approached it from a very sincere, honest place. And um, that to me, that is the responsibility of any actor. When you say yes to something to come from a very honest, sincere place with every part of it. Um, so that it can touch people, whether it's in a fun way, um, a dramatic way, a loving way, make it real. Mm -hmm. That's that's all you can do is just make yeah. it real and make it just you know not like you said not a caricature and not yeah phony character. Mm -hmm. So I was so I was going through your your Instagram feed and I was looking and you know seeing all these posts and one of the things one of the posts that really struck me was um, you posted posted a picture you know back in May and May was a crucial time because you know that was when we this you know found out that George Floyd had had been shot and it was it was all over the media all over social media and I just want to read this to you um, just kind of you know tell me what pops into your mind and what you know what you think about when you when you hear this. So I'm just gonna read. Um, so you posted, tired of explaining, tired of fear, tired of you thinking my life is worth less than yours. But as long as the Lord wakes me up, I will fight injustice until the end. What, what was going through your mind at that time when you posted it? That it was time for action. Mm -hmm. um, and that it was time to really, really, really wake up. Um, to have an officer murder a man with his knee on his neck in broad daylight mm. shows you that it is time to wake up. Yeah. It is time to really look at the injustice that is simply coming more to the surface in this country is not that it wasn't there. Right. Um, it's just that it's coming to the forefront now because people are bold. And so now it's time for us to wake up and now it's time for us to find um, our own individual ways of fighting. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are able to be on the front line and protest. Um, a lot of people are able to continue to give money to these movements that are really moving the needle forward. Mm -hmm. um, but whatever you can do, it's time to do it. It's time to, um, to recognize what is going on with your fellow brothers and sisters and then find a way to act. And um, I know the Lord believes in, in justice and righteousness and, um, and love. And, and so that is what I will always fight for. I will always fight for um, those that don't have a voice be a voice for the voiceless, be the hope for the hopeless. That is what we've been called to do. And um, that's, that's what that means to me. It's just, it's time to, it's time to wake up because if anybody could watch George Floyd be murdered the way he was and not be incentivized to move, shame on you. Hmm. Um, so we're in, we're in August now and as far as I know, I'm not, you know, as far as I know, the, the officers who shot Breonna Taylor have not, have not been charged. So what, like, what goes through your mind when you see these stories that, of injustice that 
that seem like there's a far road ahead? There's a long road ahead. Um, it is a long road ahead. Um, and I probably won't see all the fruit of it in my lifetime. But what goes through my mind is just, we have to continue to fight. We will not let Brianna Taylor's name um, go out without a fight. We just won't. We will continue to keep her name in the headlines. I love that uh, Oprah Winfrey put up all those billboards in Louisville to let them know we are not letting y'all escape. We are not letting her name go down with um, the, the news reports. They may not keep reporting it, but we gonna keep talking about it because she deserves justice. That's all that that is. And, um, and that's what I think about, I, you know, the pain that we feel, my God, imagine the pain that her family feels. Imagine the pain that her fiance feels. Imagine, imagine that. We have to fight for them. We have to fight for those that cannot continue to fight for themselves. Mm. And, um, and we will. We will. So the, in November, the election is coming up. U.S. Mm -hmm. we're watching too. The Canadians are watching as well. Mm -hmm. What, what will it mean for you if it's going to be a Biden and Kamala presidency? What will it mean? Oh, I would be ecstatic. <laughs> um, I think what people have to realize is you're not going to agree with every single thing um, from a politician. But um, what we have seen is that Trump does not work. We have seen that he just continues to incite racism. Mm -hmm. um, he continues to put all Americans at risk. Um, I, and granted, I haven't been around that long, but I've never seen it where Americans are not allowed to go anywhere. Don't nobody want us. <laughs> it's amazing. Like we can't take trip, we can't do anything because he has played games with our lives. He has allowed a virus to come in. He has treated it as a hoax. He has not allowed the states to do their best job to stop it, to neutralize it. Um, and he just continues to incite the horror of racism. Um, I just, you know, I was taught that when you don't have anything good to say about anybody, you should probably not say anything at all. Right. So that's about all I have to say about him. Um, but I do think that this election is extremely important. Um, it's, it's an election for our lives. And so a Biden Harris, a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris ticket, hmm. presidential ticket. Woo! That would be something special. You know, I don't, I don't, we don't fully agree with everything that everybody does, but Kamala, I think that would be a, sh a shattered glass ceiling. And um, in my opinion, I think it's, it's beautiful. I would love it. I mean, I would. I, I don't live in I don't live in the country. <laughs> I would love it too seeing someone you know as as powerful as she is a woman of color you know yeah being up there in that position I think it's yeah it would be a dream it would only absolutely be a dream absolutely um, I just want one more question I want to see I I heard you know you did you guys did on your um on your Instagram live when the when the I think when the episode was airing the final episode of greenleaf was airing mm -hmm. um i heard talks about a spin-off is that is that you know in the works or is it you know we also heard talks of spin-off uh yes they did announce um that the creator craig wright will be creating a spin-off yeah. of greenleaf and so the greenleaf world will live on yeah. um to what extent we don't know uh, Craig has done several interviews that indicate um, a world filled with Lady May, 
and Charity and Jacob, but we'll see. You know, no one knows. We don't have any scripts. We haven't been told anything uh, outside of that. And so um, to me, it's very exciting that the world will live on. I think it's a really wonderful world that they created. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that world will look like for Charity, um, if she will be there, but I'm excited. I'm excited at the prospect. And is there anything that you're working on that you would want to share with fans? You know, any projects, any movies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, you know, working on this music thing. I've released my first single, I Won't Stop Breathing, uh, which we talked about. And, um, and I have a forthcoming EP coming. Uh, it's either end of September or top of October. Um, so just just working on music and um, and then I just wrapped a film that I think will be really, really, really great. And once they do a press release for that, I will be super excited to talk about it. Okay. Um, so I am, you know, I'm doing I'm doing things that I love that I'm passionate about and I'm grateful to be able to do that um, all with the hopes of finding better ways to fight this injustice in this country. Mm. Yeah. What's what's keeping you? What's I guess what's moving you forward right now in a place where we're not, you know, in quarantine? What's helping you get through the day? What's helping you wake up in the morning? Um, look, the fact that I can, and many others are not able to. Yeah. Um. So, honestly, it's that, and I've never been a person that wants to be the same you know i don't want to look back at 25 and 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 then be 35 and not see any change not see any growth not see any difference and to me i needed to make sure i was finding ways to learn and to grow during quarantine if anybody has been quarantined for three four five months and they don't come out any better than they were going in, then shame on you. That is the very definition of wasting time. Mm. That's what you did. <laughs> I don't want to waste time. <laughs> so that has been the motivation <laughs> to get up, to get going, to do what you can, to be better. You know, I've been taking voice lessons. I've been taking lessons on self-taping for different projects because that's what the world is coming to in entertainment. A lot of self-tapes before you'll go in or you'll get on a Zoom, you're gonna have to do a self-tape. What does that look like? Um, you know, how do you perfect that? How do you get better? So that's, that's, that's been the motivation. I don't want to be the same when I come out of quarantine. I mean, who does? Like <laughs> <laughs> Lazy people. <laughs> Oh, well, it's been such an honor talking to you. I'm like kind of starstruck, but I mean. Oh, you're so sweet. You've had lovely questions. Thank oh, you for having me. No problem. Because um, I've been, you know, I've been such a fan of, of the show and I just like, I adore your character and all the other characters as well. But yeah, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a wonderful talking to you. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. It was a really, really good time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right. Bye.